folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And today we are talking about one of the most influential artists of our generation, actually. And we wouldn't be in this current moment in hip-hop and popular music without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are talking about the man from Tallahassee, Florida, known as T-Pain. Before we do that, we just wanted to mention that we have a few events coming up. Um, if you're listening to the week that it comes out, we have an event this Friday. It's it free. Is, it's no cover. Yeah. Uh, it's at a place called The Rec Room, mm-hmm. which is on Bremner Boulevard near the Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. The Sky Dome. Near the, uh, the Sky Dome, if you're in Toronto and you're above the age of 25. Um and we're, it's our party called Still Tippin'. So it's like all throwback jams. So you'll be hearing a lot of T-Pain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, some old Mariah, Ja Rule, 50 Cent, mm-hmm. you know, Destiny's Child. We're going we're going B2K. all the way back. And for this event, uh, unlike our Boosie Fade parties, we actually encourage requests. So please. Especially ahead of time. And especially ones them. that are appropriate. Like some, if you come up and ask us to play uh, Tiesto, it's just not going to happen. And I'll judge you and I'll make fun of you on the podcast. And that'll hurt. Uh, we're not going to play Sum 41, even though they have Era appropriate. one of the best album titles of all time. It <laughs> sounds like a hip-hop album title. Yeah. All killer, no filler. Yeah. That's some goat talk right there. Yeah, it really is. It'd be <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like someone should have a mixtape series that's like All Killer, No Filler 5, you know? Uh-huh. It's like, you don't believe them at that point, but it's still a, a good boast. Puts way too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. Um, and we also have uh, our next Boosie Fade party, which mm-hmm. is returning to familiar stomping grounds. We're going back to the same location that we built this legendary party at. It's the the shop, the shop formerly known as Parts and Labor, uh, on Friday, April fifth. So if you're listening, just mark it down in your calendar. This is a place you're going to want to be. It's going to be a massive jam. It will indeed. And so this week we're going to talk about T Pain and his career. The, and the broad history of autotune in contemporary hip-hop for the last 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And also T-Pain's new project, which is called One Up. It's his sixth studio album that yeah. was surprise released a few weeks ago. I mean, really, T-Pain has uh, gone through a lot of difficult times, sort of, in, the, in terms of the public eye. But he is really a legend in the musical game of, uh, in terms of just being an innovator. There's really very few artists have ever contributed so much to pop music as T-Pain has. It's true. It's also interesting seeing the trajectory of how we've come to this point where we can all acknowledge and appreciate that. Indeed. So we're going to get into that starting right now. So you can't talk about the history of, of T-Pain without talking about the history of autotune. And James, what, what is autotune? Where does it come from? Oh, that's a great question, Jordan. It's actually quite interesting. Uh, autotune was created by a man named Andy Hildebrand, who is a geophysicist. He was basically working for Exxon Mobile, Mobile the petro giant, uh, trying to develop a complex algorithm for figuring out where underground oil deposits were with the sort of seismic waves, you know, the things that uh, come off a earthquake and tsunamis and you see in a movie and it yep. like it's like, oh no, it's coming kind of thing. <laughs> uh, 
if old heads knew they would, they would have the same reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Hildebrand discovered that he could use the same technology to detect, analyze, and modify the pitch in audio files. He, you know, realized he didn't need to be working for the evil empire anymore and that he could develop this into its own technology, which he then presented at a trade show. And it started to get incorporated into, you know, studio practices pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the first, like, real pop song featuring it before, you know, before T-Pain really made it uh, the sort of standard that's apparently almost used in every studio recording these days for Mm -hmm. a major pop Mm -hmm. act Mm -hmm. uh, was by Cher. Uh Uh-huh, with Believe. Believe. That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a couple other people like Eiffel 65 who used it. Hmm. Uh, if if you're one of our younger listeners, you may not know who Eiffel 65 is. Even if is. you're one of our older listeners, you may not know who <laughs> Eiffel 65 They is. had the song Blue. Um, yeah. Uh, blue, if I was green, I would die. Yeah, that die. one. Yep. Yeah. And it was a slap. Yeah, it was. That's a banger. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean. For the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Daft Punk use it of course uh you know one more time and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. but then really the most important usage came when uh t-pain he was tallahassee pain that's what that stands for he was so young when he came out that's one thing i i think that's so fascinating about Mm -hmm. t-pain he looked like he was you know like 30 or something like that Uh uh-huh and he was 20 21 22 i think he was yeah it was like 20 20 yeah well even the story of how he was discovered is very interesting because he was discovered by uh, a similar star of the time uh, akon because mm. akon had had his song locked up is like honestly not spoken about enough that yeah. song yeah really really uh classic as an aside i once pr- uh, did a, pr- a presentation in high school about the prison industrial complex to focus on that song oh my god up. that's incredible that should be maybe be the next catch-up episode <laughs> <laughs> me, me redoing that presentation exactly yeah um i really love that song and t-pain had made a remix uh version of, of that song that was called i'm i'm fucked up which is just already shows you his genius at a young young yeah. age You're probably 19 then yeah and then so akon was impressed and signed him to a contract a deal uh and in a complete separate conversation one day we'll talk about akon's <laughs> like strange astute, astute signings as well he yes. signed lady gaga yeah uh and cardinal yes and so, uh french montana was on convict music at one point akon yeah um so yeah so then then he signs him and he puts out his first project a few like a little while later rapper rapper turned turned singer singer. and most importantly the single i'm in love in brackets with a stripper well you know for the first i think the first single was i'm sprung right and then i I hadn't heard i think maybe i'd heard i'm sprung on the radio uh but then i was watching one of those if you have um 
like a certain a particular cable package. There's these channels like usually up in the, I'm like when I was in the US, uh, we had Direct TV and it was like in the 800s yeah, or something. Yeah, like the kind of radio. They channels. just yeah, they just show like they just play music with no video and it'll yeah. just say who the artist is. I think they still have that here. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't have cable, yeah. cord cutters, and, and whatnot. I, actually, I bet zero people who listen to this podcast do, except for like you know my in laws. Shout out to my in laws. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing this song by that I heard that like that. I mean, I was really captivated by it because the sounds were so unfamiliar, and the song was titled "I'm in Love with" and then in in brackets a dancer. <laughs> and listening to the song, the radio edit, I was like. This can't be a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a dancer, right, yeah, but it's, a dancer. It's, it's an exotic dancer. An exotic dancer. This yeah, is, it's not just a regular, commonplace, banal dancer. Yeah, this, this is, is not an exotic know. dancer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and honestly, the song is incredible. Yes. It's it's just like a really – it's smooth. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's – I don't know. It's very original. I feel like especially at the time in – even in, in like hip-hop, like kind of making a song like this about – being at the strip club that's like that kind of transcends just like I'm throwing money but it's like no 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 I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> like, Even like I think this song was sort of really on the um the cutting edge of like particular strip club music which I think uh started to become more a thing around that time. Mm. Um I mean like obviously a lot of rap music was being played in strip clubs for probably I don't know from how long. I don't know when that started that would be a good episode in and of itself fine of figuring that out. But you know, towards the later part of the decade, groups like Travis Porter or uh, Waka Flocka, you know, yeah, people I, are making like real like strip club anthems. Mm-hmm. This is maybe one of the first true strip club anthems. True, true. Um, and let's listen to a little bit of I'm in love with the stripper. Yeah, and I think I think what's interesting about even this idea, and I'm not even sure if it's something that T Pain was thinking of at the time, and you talked about like Travis Porter and the artists that I mean, there's a litany of artists now who make music essentially solely for strip clubs. Like mm-hmm. that's the dominant place to do it. Is that it's it's a very interesting and wise business strategy mm-hmm. because the idea, like the whole idea of like, you know, all the stuff about like magic city and Onyx and these like legendary strip clubs in Atlanta and strip clubs in Houston is that the reason that strip club, like music being played in strip clubs is so important to an artist is that it's, first of all, it's a good place to, do- to launch a song mm-hmm. because you have people in this environment where they're having a lot of fun if they're spending a lot of money, they're like they're, there's like a muscle memory attached to when you're spending money in like this environment, mm-hmm. and a certain song is playing. Right, and I think that the, so it kind of imprints it in uh, in your subconscious in a deeper way. Yeah, and it's also a good way to like just like kind of like kick off kick off a, kick off a new song. You know, you build up the, an organic buzz that way, mm-hmm. and then the way you know it travels to like radio and then to the industry. You know, it's, it's a whole process, and I feel like. Without even really, maybe like kind of falling backwards into it, T Pain is like one of the people that started this thing. Yeah, exactly. Which 
you know, I didn't even realize before this podcast that that was another way that he is just a legend and a pioneer. But uh, <laughs> I think I wouldn't be surprised if we find five to ten more ways that he's a legend and a pioneer throughout this podcast. Mm-hmm. So he breaks out with with this this album, these huge singles, I'm Sprung and I'm In Love With a Stripper. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty quickly becomes a kind of go-to feature artist of yeah. the time. Like yeah. he kind of becomes like a new, almost like a new age Nate dog where he's like, you're like, you know, this, it's just T-Pain is like the, the right person to add a little spice to your, your songs. Yeah, exactly. It really kind of go starts, uh, in earnest in 2007, which is also kind of his, maybe his peak year. Uh, you know, he's in 2000 from 2007 to 2010 ish were really the, the peak years in 2007, you know, he's, um, on kiss kiss with Chris Brown, Oh my God! which, right. you know, can it all have been so simple then? Which was, that was song was so good. Massive, massive. I don't know if it's... There's also, you know, he had the song with E-40, You and That. Shoddy with Plies, which is really more a T-Pain song. I'm So Hood, DJ Khaled. These are all things that you're like, you know, I, when I think about these songs from 12, 13 years ago, the, yeah. the things, the parts that stand out to me are the T-Pain parts. Yeah. That's what I remember. Like, uh, I'm a flirt. His verse on I'm a flirt stealing. I'm a flirt. I'm a flirt. So I think like one of my favorite standout T-Pain features from this time is from the very, very underrated collaboration album between Lil Wayne and Birdman called Like Father, Like Son. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't listened to this album, I absolutely think you should just go to Spotify or whatever your streaming site is and just like give it a run through because you'll be astonished at not only how well Wayne raps, but also how well Birdman can rap the stuff Wayne wrote for him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and one of the great songs on, on that project is a collaboration with T-Pain, which is called Know What I'm Doing. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of it right now. And it's interesting to see uh, T Pain and Lil Wayne work together at this time because it they they have gone on to have a very fruitful collaborative history, and it's also very clear that T Pain was very influential in how Wayne's style evolved at that time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were at one point supposed to have a a joint album that it, uh, in some way came out came out last year last I believe. year, yeah. but in two thousand nine they were supposed to have a T Wayne record. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what did Wayne do with Autotune that was different from T Pain? Well, uh, it was almost more like a blues or soul style rather than like the, the super poppy T Pain version, where he would just lean all the way into the, these melodies and kind of ex- to express his sort of inner pain and trauma. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was more of a range of emotions, is what Wayne I feel like did with it. He, mm-hmm. it's like you know T Pain was just it was kind of like. In some ways, similar to the way that pops, like traditional pop stars would use, would use it, which was just to like you know clean up the sound a mm. little bit, make it sound. I mean, T Pain's also sounded like more like robotic and yeah. kind of alien, which Wayne's also sounded like, but he also used it to show like longing and regret yeah. and uh, just like pain from like you know thinking kind of like thinking of your past and kind of like trying to deal with like your emotions in it. Yeah, 
And I, it's also interesting how he used it in his like love songs. It just, yeah. it, that's like where you, I felt like the, a lot of the blues stuff came from. Yeah. Um, like it's the song a, that we've t- discussed a lot, which is Prostitute, Prostitute Flange. Flange. Yeah. And let, let's listen to a little bit of Prostitute Flange. If you were a prostitute and that you hit every man that you ever knew, see, it wouldn't make a difference if that was baby for me and you, guys. You don't ever have to worry about me as long as you keep it real. Whatever's on your mind, speak on how and then so yeah i mean little wayne little wayne always gave his sort of props to t-pain i felt like absolutely you know included it he's on he's like father like son he's on carter three they had put out an album together obviously they they get along mm-hmm. they have a great song uh can't believe it uh where he does another incredible pioneering thing rhyming (laughs) mansion with wisconsin just like he is such a creative genius where is his macarthur genius grant (laughs) exactly if anyone in the american government is listening you guys gotta step your arts game up yeah um but you know then he also collaborated with the other giant artist of the time, uh, Kanye West, mm-hmm. on great song. I think kind of underrated song, Good Life. Yeah. That song is, is, is just so fun. It's really, really pleasant. But uh, yeah, a year later. It, yeah, it, it's clear. I mean, at this point, everyone, started for the most part, in the music industry started using autotune. Yeah, there used to be. I remember there was a skit on like Gangster Girls. Uh, where DJ it was drama, mixtape series. Yeah, where they was like, it was just like an advertisement for autotune and like giving all the examples of different artists using it. And like, even them putting like editing some vocals so that they are now like autotune, like 50 cent and stuff like that. Yeah. It was really good. Wow. That's top notch humor. Yeah. And at, at this time, T-Pain was really everywhere. His songs were massive smashes. Uh, I'm in love with the stripper was a top five single buy you a drink which is the greatest pop song of all time <laughs> uh with young jock funeral. was at um was also was a number one, one yeah tr- uh, three times platinum he had bartender with akon yeah like you know uh boots with the fur flow rider i hope flow rider sends him you know gift baskets every once in a while because he really did a lot to put him on <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh before you know or it's sort of the peak of the t-pain era he put out um a circus sort of themed album mm-hmm. called three rings which it's actually quite a strong record my favorite song from it is chopped and screwed featuring Ludacris, and it's about being rejected by women and being misled which is pretty hilarious subject matter <laughs> so <laughs> we support it so here's just chopped and screwed by t-pain from three rings have you a damn piece all alone at the bar. Bar, bar Straight out of a magazine And you just wanna let her know who you are oh, So you say, let me buy you a drink or a little conversation If that's what you wanna do So while uh, there were uh, many T-Pain imitators pretty soon after in the way that in hip-hop, like other pop music, 
there was no one who really threw themselves totally into the same mode of using uh, augmented vocals in the same kind of way as Kanye West. Kanye and T-Pain collaborated on Good, Good Life. Life, which is an absolute classic. Uh, and then about a year later, Kanye came out on a, a great Young Jeezy song, Put On, mm-hmm. uh, with one of my favorite Kanye guest verses, actually, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which was his first autotune song. But that would only be a little prelude for the main event that would come out a little bit later. 808s and Heartbreaks, which was a very, very divisive Kanye West album yeah. uh, up until... Yeah, the- it was the most divisive Kanye album. Some people consider it one of his best. Some people, every, many consider it his worst. Uh, I would many say, are dumb. Yeah, I w- I'm in somewhere in the middle. I wouldn't say I think it's one of his best, but... Then uh, you're half dumb. I'm half, half <laughs> dumb. I'm half dumb. You, where is it on your all-time Kanye? Um, I'd have to check the list I posted in Boosie Fade yeah. a year and a half ago, but I feel like it's it's in my top three or four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when I mean, when it came out, it was like... So the sort of I felt like that was really when the the auto tune pushback really started in earnest. Yeah, I think because like I think for a lot of people it was like would you have somebody who for so long uh, was considered the future and the present of of hip hop and rap music and mm-hmm. somebody who could take it to places it had never been before mm-hmm. for someone to take such a, a left field choice and focus and hone in kind of on this thing that I think a lot of people thought was like a trend that would die out pretty quickly. Yeah. It's a gimmick. It, it, yeah. A gimmick, a gimmick that would die out pretty quickly. I think it, it just really upset people and kind of made them rethink how they felt about this this thing that maybe was like a little annoying but also maybe benign in some ways and i mean part of it was that kanye was sort of like a back almost like a backpacker-esque or like the most popular sort of backpacker-esque rapper mm-hmm. you Backpack know in a benz right you know he's playing both sides he, yeah like he's got the pop leanings but he's at, at his core comes from the backpack community yeah and this is like this is just like a you know a huge step into like, I'm in the pop lane, you know, like it's a, it's a strange form of R and B even. But I mean, and the interesting thing about it is that he like Wayne used it to go to sort of the more melancholy places Mm -hmm. on his sort of emotional palette. Um, Let's listen to a song from, from It's Which one do you want? So uh, let's listen to Paranoid, which is one of my all time favorite Kanye songs, actually. Don't be so baby. Don't worry about it. Hate it. Don't even think about it. You worry about the wrong things. The wrong thing. You worry about the wrong things. The wrong things. You worry about the wrong things. The wrong things. You worry about the wrong things. The wrong things. Tell me right now, you really want to spend your whole life alone. A little time out, might do you good, might do us good for we be done for good. Cause I can make it good. And yeah, so as as the as the backlash to autotune happens, it also starts to affect T Pain because mm-hmm. people start to directly come at him. Yeah. So an interesting thing to note is that T Pain was actually a part of the sessions for 808s and Heartbreaks, and Kanye wasn't very nice to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in an interview a few years ago, T Pain told a story about being in one of the studio sessions, and I think I guess Kanye wasn't really like liking some of his ideas, and he started singing in front of a room full of people. T Pain shit is weak, <laughs> like using the auto tune. Poor guy, which is just, just so cruel. Yeah, 
And this is like, you know, this is Kanye of 11 years ago. So before he'd gone all the way off the deep end. Yeah. And that's just like so mean. And yeah. I don't, it, it was, there was a lot of animus towards him. Uh, a, a year later in 2009, when Jay-Z released the Blueprint 3 yeah. uh, with a song called Death of Autotune, DOA. I think it might have been the lead single off of it. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was the lead single. I remember I remember the day it came out. Mm-hmm. And like Funk Flex played it. One of the great things about it was Funk Flex played it like three times. And then the next song he played after was Ron Brown's Pop Champagne, which is like <laughs> the exact song I think that Jay-Z said that he was basically talking about because he was like, People, I think someone asked him, "Like, are you talking about Kanye?" He's like, "No, I'm not talking about Kanye. You're talking about Lil Wayne. No, I'm not talking about Lil Wayne. You're talking about T Pain. No, I'm not talking about T Pain." So it was like Ron Brown's uh-huh, song uh-huh. was about. But even and then like after that, like there was another, you know, I don't know, Lollipop didn't come on that much later. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, but you know, after Death of Autotune, uh, of Autotune came out, yeah. At Jay Z shows, the crowd would chant "Fuck T Pain." Yes. Yeah. It's imagine like, that. Like it's just like even now thinking about it, it's like why. Why? Like he he had done nothing to deserve this level of vitriol. Yeah, he like but, hadn't I mean, been in any legal trouble or anything like that. He just like was just living his life and making his music. And then other imitators started taking something that he essentially pioneered in the genre, and then everyone fucking blamed him. Yeah, I mean the funny thing is that where T Pain even came from uh, on the like autotune thing originally, it wasn't that he like couldn't sing. It's that he really liked like uh, the sort of vocoder. Uh, sound, which was the, the pre-autotune, like, sort of synthy voice that 80s artists like uh, Teddy Pendergrass would use on some of their, mm-hmm. their songs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this this distaste for T-Pain mm-hmm. that kind of started in this era, it lasted for a while. Yeah. Uh, in the same interview in which he tells that story about Kanye uh, insulting him in the studio sessions, he also tells a story of seeing Future's brother at a Thanksgiving fundraiser, uh, I believe in Atlanta, and he went up to him and he was like, hey, you know, I'm a fan of Future. Like, I would love to collaborate with him, like, work with him. And Future's brother looked at him dead in his eyes and said, my brother would never fucking work with you. Fuck you and everything you stand for. Oh, Jesus. You could have just said no thanks. Yeah. Could have said, hey, give me your email address. Well, I'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah. Do what the rest of us do when we don't want to, like, you know, collaborate with someone. Pretend... You know, feign earnesty, pretend to write something down, and then, you know, never <laughs> contact that person at all. So, it, this is, like, really dark times for T-Pain. He said he fell into a depression. Yeah. It really, like... I mean, there was, like, a lot of public backlash, which essentially T-Pain was the, the face of. Like, one of my, this hilarious anecdote that at a 2009 Grammy Awards, Death Cap for Cutie wore blue ribbons to symbol a protest towards autotune. Mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera was seen in in uh, Los Angeles with a T-shirt that read "Autotune is for pussies." I don't even know what to say to that. In 2010, Time Magazine included Autotune in their list of the 50 worst inventions. Wow. Yeah. Was slavery on there? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Like, seems yeah, like that like, should not be. Yeah, like napalm. Yeah, like, you know. I don't know. If like, auto tune uh, needs to make that list. Yeah, like seatbelt uh, beer openers. Like, there's like a lot of things that are much worse inventions than. Uh, but, that, but this just like sh- to goes to show you like, what the cultural climate was at the time, mm-hmm. and I think it was also I, I remember people thinking some people thinking that when the Jay Z song came out. That they're like, okay, here it goes. This is the this is the end. If mm-hmm. like if Hove is saying it's over, yeah. then it's done. I mean, part of there was a bit of a change in that 
shortly after all of this happened, an, a young artist from Toronto named Drake came out who used melody without and at least obvious autotune. I mean, maybe there's autotune in, mm-hmm, the, in the mm-hmm. production, but he was hit, you know, hitting the notes on his own accord. And, the, you know, then there were, I felt like there was a bunch of, you know, you Kid Cudi, you have a few other True. sort of m- melodic based rappers who weren't really leaning into the, the autotune, mm-hmm. uh, which sort of started to leave T-Pain back in the, his era. That's right. That's right. It's, they were taking it in a more, they were taking it in a more personal way where T-Pain songs were kind of like pop songs that were really not about like the inner turmoil, but more about like external things about yeah. like women and success and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Not necessarily how he's feeling inside. Yeah. Um, on a, on a more deep like elemental level. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of like where the transition was. And I think it was also pretty clear to a lot of people that you could draw that straight line from Kanye's 808s and heartbreaks and just Kanye in general to Drake mm-hmm. and like to Kid Cudi and to this kind of like more uh, emotionally vulnerable <laughs> place that artists were going to, right. which I think is also an, an interesting thing about what con- kept autotune going is that when future came out mm-hmm. in like 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. he was using autotune for his, like his pop, like club bangers. He's also mm-hmm. using it for his like un- incredible love songs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the things that's funny about future is in, you know, his, actual speaking voice almost sounds auto-tuned it has like that that kind of i don't know how it's not exactly raspy but there's something about it i remember uh the body party video by sierra there's Mm -hmm. like the interlude where like he's speaking to her and it sounds like he's got auto-tuned in his like speaking (laughs) voice that really blew my mind yeah uh, let's listen to a future song from that era with autotune. Turn off the lights. Let's turn, let's turn on. Let's listen to a song that will absolutely 100% be played at my wedding. It is "Turn on the Lights" by Future. I'm Yeah, and so and at that point, you know, you have the futures of the world, and then you see, you. I feel like at this part, this time, you're seeing. This is like, I'm for me, felt like the beginning of like the rapid, immediate, you know, iterations of just like different versions of artists who are really popular at the time. So like Future using autotune. Yeah. Then you have Travis Scott come out and he's like very clearly influenced by Future. Um, yeah, young Thug. Young Thug. Amigos. You have, I mean, like, frankly, it's like, it's almost as much a part of the trap sound as like the sort of 808 drums and like, you know, the bells or any the, of the like, other. Kind of like Lex Luger influenced yeah. production that kind of dominated the last 10 years of yeah exactly i mean like you know 21 savage like there's i mean tons of people Mm -hmm. it's like so much a part of that atlanta sound at this point absolutely um but then you know it's sort of like what happened to t-pain well um i feel like in the last in the last few years has been a critical reevaluation of t-pain and i think as we've gotten further as he retreated from the public eye and then eventually kind of came, started dipping his toe back in the water around 2014 and was talking about these experiences and just kind of like feeling left behind by the industry and unfairly reviled when the most popular artists of the day are using autotune and are clearly influenced by him. Mm -hmm. And he, 
elicited a lot of sympathy because people were realizing like, you know, we were, we were a little unreasonable to T-Pain and he just kind of went on this, like this media tour that I think was very winning. He kind of was saying his point of view. He had that really amazing tiny desk appearance yeah. where I think for a lot of people, he had the tiny desk experience and he also did the national anthem in the LA Dodgers game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people did not know that T-Pain can actually sing. Yeah. Like that's the thing. They were like, they thought they assumed that he was using it as a crutch to hide his lack of vocal abilities. But T-Pain is an incredible singer. In 2009, I went to see uh, Lil Wayne at the Air Canada Center and T-Pain was one of the openers and he was fucking incredible he was playing the piano he was singing live without autotune recording himself Mm -hmm. and creating like a new beat to like sampling his own voice he he's an incredible dancer he's just a really very 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 talented artist in the truest sense of the term yeah and i think that people didn't really understand that because in the blind t-pain rage they they just like assumed that he was using it all as a way to kind of skirt skirt his lack of talent but the dodgers national anthem and his tiny desk appearance i think created essentially a renaissance for t-pain yeah i mean it like the thing is that he really did introduce a a, a new tool for hip-hop i mean essentially he Mm -hmm. revolutionized hip-hop in the way that like the sampler changed hip-hop from being sort of having these like disco-y beats to, ha- you know, being more referential or from like in the way that like Rakim or L Cool J or Run DMC made rapping more like substantive lyrically mm-hmm. than sort of like the hip to the hop stuff mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, fast rapping of like uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony or Three Six Mafia, mm-hmm. you know, these major advances in like technique and form like t-pain is behind one of them Mm -hmm, you know and he is the primary person which is amazing it's amazing and that brings us to t-pain's new album uh it's the sixth studio album which was surprise announced and released uh last week Mm -hmm. um it's called one up Mm -hmm. and it has some pretty solid songs on it. It's quite good. It's quite good. Um, it's it's short, which is nice. Very nice. Very thoughtful of you, T, um, <laughs> Mr. Tallahassee. Yeah. Uh, the first, the very, fir- I really enjoyed the very first song on this album. It's called mm-hmm. "One Up," and it's just such an interesting, like, this is exactly the kind of thing you want to hear a rapper exactly. talking about. It's like really giving you. This is like he's digging deep into his emotions. He's telling a story. He's painting a picture. Mm-hmm. He's giving sage advice. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about friends, a friend that was in his crew that he thought would be celebrating life with him, but is actually in prison now. Mm-hmm. And he's like looking up for T-Pain's looking up for his daughter and all stuff. And he's like, this is not how I envisioned our lives going. And it's like just that it's such a tragedy. It's like a waste. It's a waste of life and, opp- and opportunity. Yeah. Um, let's listen to a little bit of one up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I swear that I got one up on these niggas. Bling blow, put that gun up, fuck these niggas. Use that second chance to make a better plan. Be a better man, or it's whatever, man. Yeah, my dog gonna let that blunt up for my niggas. Bling blow, put that gun up, fuck these niggas. Use that second chance to make a better plan. Be a better man, or it's whatever, man. I hate to see my dog do that when. What else? What else did you like on this album? Uh, well, the second track, R.I.P. to the parking lot, featuring. <laughs> Boozy badass. Boozy badass. I was just in New Orleans, and uh, as a little footnote, the rapper I heard coming out of uh, more cars than anybody was 
little boozy. I never heard any music that wasn't from Louisiana. It was really, really dope. Amazing. But anyway, uh, yeah, RP the parking lot. Um, I also I just love that as a concept for a song. A, a, I just love the expression RIP to the, like is. I killed the parking lot. Yeah, like, I pulled exactly. up in my whip and it was dead. Everyone yeah. everyone died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my car is so clean. I killed everybody in the parking yeah. lot. I actually killed the parking lot itself. Yeah, it, it's like uh, unpaved. It's just a pasture now. Um, yeah, like uh, I mean, I was impressed. Frankly, OT Genesis from Rust being on there, I was like, I saw that. I was like. Ugh come on but they're actually not bad they're not bad guests versus especially ot uh-huh. genesis who doesn't really sound like himself but it also reminds me that i don't really know what he actually sounds like instead of if it's not like doing one of his like major classic hooks uh-huh. Uh-huh. um you know russ is not not a big russ fan I, you know i found i found the future selections pretty interesting here because yeah. it felt it's like you know a lot of times when out al- when artists do an album they kind of and they're getting features that maybe of people that they haven't worked with in the past, they tend to go with whoever's hot at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like that's the reason Gunna was on a million songs last year, mm-hmm. you know, the like, Mariah Carey he, album. yeah, the Mariah Carey album, you know, all these things he's just like, he's like the, the guy, he was the guy of that moment. Mm-hmm. But on this album, they're really like specific choices. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Boosie badass. It's Tory Lanez. It's OT Genesis, Flip De Niro, yeah. Russ and Lil Wayne. So yeah. like, it's like, you can tell that there's some kind of thought going into that of like artists that T-Pain must like yeah i mean this album is exactly what it's kind of like the best a t-pain album could kind of be in 2019 in some respects it's pretty mature it's got interesting subject matter Mm -hmm. it's not it's like he's not like just trying to like relive his past glories he's trying to express himself that's right that's right and i I feel like for me um outside of one up i think the best song on this album is where t-pain goes in his bag and he's really like pumping his chest he's really like Listen, like, you know, 33, I'm a millionaire many times over, mm-hmm. and I changed hip-hop, you yeah. know, and you better put some respect on my name. It's uh, it's the song, that, it's the last song of the album, it's called Goat Talk, and it features this longtime collaborator, Lil Wayne, and let's listen to a little bit of Goat Talk from T-Pain and Lil Wayne. Yeah, hey, hey! He ain't know about it, bitch, you know it now. Say you gotta hear it from the goat mouth. need to treat T-Pain like the pioneer that he is. I mean, to me, it's like what T-Pain did for vocals with autotune is a similar to what, you know, whoever the first rock musician was to put electric guitar in pop, you know, rock, pop rock mm-hmm. at the time. Like most music in the guitar music was obviously on uh, acoustic guitar for, mm-hmm. you know, the first half of the 20th century. Real folky. Yeah, folky. Pete Seeger. Blue, yeah, you know, some blues and uh, guitar jazz, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then electric guitar was sort of maybe the most ubiquitous uh, instrument from like, maybe 1960 to 1990, 1995, until like... Until Teddy like, got his auto-tune on. Yeah, exactly. And until like Limp Bizkit and uh, Corn <laughs> and Creed and, you know, uh-huh. other shitty bands uh-huh. destroyed rock music. Yeah. Uh, anyway. No, but I mean, it's like, this is like... Autotune is all over. Autotune's probably in your household right yeah, now. Exactly. It is, it's like Beyonce put out a song last year using Autotune. Mm-hmm. 
It's just auto tune at, at one time, uh, like as we talked about earlier, it almost it felt like it could be like a scarlet letter in some circles. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, what we've seen in the last few years is that people who are kind of the blind, you know, detractors of auto tune, it's like they fall into the wayside for the most part. It's like that argument has that hard, that argument holds no teeth in 2019. If you're mm-hmm. talking about popular music, it's just like, it's very clear that it's a, uh, it is a musical tool that artists use to convey a variety of emotions that they may not be able to achieve otherwise. And as a result, we have better music for it. Exactly. And that's all that really matters. That is all that really matters. And that's this episode of catch up. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for listening. Um, please, as we mentioned with every episode, it really helps if you, number one, tell a friend about this podcast mm-hmm. that you think would enjoy it. And so, you know, we have listeners in 35 countries, more than that probably now. And, you know, the, our listenership is, it spans the spectrum of hip hop fandom. There's people who have been hip hop fans their entire lives. There's people that have only been listening in the last three to five years. There's people that have been listening for even less than that. So this podcast really appeals to anybody in your circle who's interested in music on a deeper level. If, if your parents are confused about what hip hop is and, and your general lifestyle in that regard, just send them our way. And we'll take good care of them. Yeah. So uh, our next, next episode is going to be a mailbag episode. So we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram, slide into our DMs. It's at Ketchup Podcast. Or if you're in the Boosie Fade Facebook group, you can comment on the latest uh, episode and just let us know what questions you would like James and I to discuss next week or answer. Yeah. You can even ask what product James uses in his hair. I don't know. This would be a good way to find out. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. (laughs) So thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you very soon. Stay safe.